0: Vegas Video Network Studios just steps from the Las Vegas strip. It's Top of the Food Chain. And now your host is one part Mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch-up what the f it's Al oh. And even without Scott here, I still get thunderous applause. That, that makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Either that or the Sailor Jerry I just had. <laughs> Not quite sure. Welcome to Top of the Food Chain. I am your host, Al Mancini, the food critic who has done more single-handedly to destroy the idea of going incognito into a restaurant than all other food writers combined. Yes, I just try to sneak in looking like this. Doesn't quite work. Oh, man, Scott's usually the one that laughs at my bad jokes. Scott is not here, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, Welcome to Top of the Food Chain. You're here on the Vegas Video Network, the home of all your great Las Vegas programming. If you're into gambling, if you're into Las Vegas real real estate, my condolences, but um, if you're into gambling, real estate, drinking here in Las Vegas, just about anything that goes on in Las Vegas, comedy, comedians, we've got shows to handle them all, and you can find them all at VegasVideoNetwork.com. You can find them all on YouTube, on iTunes, in both audio and video versions. We are on Roku, if you subscribe to that. We are on Live Stream, if you want to watch us live. Hopefully, you're already watching us live, so I don't have to tell you about that. But always look for our programming on Live Stream, And it's all rebroadcast every night, except for the dirty guy. But the rest of us who know how to mind our P's and Q's and F's and S's, more importantly... We are all on KSHP, 1400 AM, all night long, every Friday night. So just tune in on your AM radio. (sighs) Wow, this is so much harder without Scott here to encourage me. (laughs) I feel so lonely. Um, If you've got a question for a future show, and we do have a couple questions that people have sent us via email, um, you can send them, we'll we'll be getting to them in just a few. But those are um, food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. Just shoot us an email there. If you want to phone in, it is 866-966-4599. I'm saying that slowly because a lot of you people driving your cars, it's hard to remember. 866-966-4599. Okay. Um, And what else? Any other ways people need to get in touch with us? Of course, me. You can follow all that I do. This video series, other video series, my porn star adventures, um, my blog, everything I do, the great restaurants I eat at, I write all about it because I have nothing else to do, and all of that is at almancini.net, or follow me on Twitter. It's almancinivegas. Before we get down to business today, and we will be talking port wine, oh, chat room, people, get into the live chat. Damn it, how do I forget the chat room? That's the most immediate thing. The immediate gratification is usually what I'm all about. So get in the chat room, um, you gotta log on, but we've got questions about port wine we'll be looking for today, so if anybody has any questions about Port Wine or about the Porn Stars I've been hanging out this week, but that's another issue. Get in the chat room. Now, before we get down to business, we want to thank our sponsor, Bread and Butter. Great little bakery and sandwich shop over on Eastern Avenue. These guys are phenomenal. Chris Heron running the show over there. Um, there's so much incredible food going on over there that I can't believe... Chris just told me they're going to start having um, an omelet bar coming out over there, an egg and omelet bar. Uh, that's, that's in the works, so I, I recommend you look forward to that. And he has a pop-up coming up. Um, it's going to be a donuts and coffee pop-up. Chris, what day is that? Hold on one second. I forgot what day that was. Give me a second. I, I really lose everything when Scott's not here. I really do. I'm glad this, this is professionalism at its best. And that's just a message from a porn star. Let's get to this one. I should have a more up-to-date iPhone. Um, Oh, this Saturday, like I said, I had it. The Donut Peddler and um, Grouchy John Coffee. So it's going to be a little pop-up on Saturday over there. Chris, I'm really sorry. I'm usually much more professional than that. The worst thing is going to be when this starts buzzing later in the show. Anyway, Bread and Butter, our wonderful sponsor. Once again, the fifth week. I can't believe he's sticking with us. (laughs) We'll look in and see whether it happens in week, week six. So now, as I always say, konnichiwa my brother Scott. We really need a sound effect of crickets kind of chirping right there. Scott is in jolly old England. And um, I don't know if he took Jacob's wife, Sally, who's from England, with him or not. And I don't know, Jacob's been very quiet about what's going on. So I don't think we'll be hearing from him, but I'll just pretend Scott is here and I'll go through the usual what went on this week. Well, Al, what happened this week? Well, Scott, I was shooting a video, a, a weird project I'm working on, very big, can't talk much about it, but I had to spend 10 hours a day with John Curtis and I'm about ready to shoot myself. Nothing I could imagine worse than getting a new job where I would have to work with John Curtis full time in addition to the book. It would be really scary. But um, I also want to send a shout out while we're here to um, to Christian Dolius chef, guy that I met through um, Facebook originally. He's friends with a lot of my chef friends. He's got this cutthroat culinary, if you see this shirt I'm wearing. He's running a, a t-shirt company. I guess I, I botched the lead there. About nine, or six months ago, I asked anyone out there that had a t-shirt to send it to me because I'd run through my entire t-shirt, t-shirt wardrobe. I just worn a different one every week because I didn't want you to see me in the same shirt twice. Very Kate Middleton of me, I think. and. It, I had run out and I asked people to send me new t-shirts and my parents were the only ones who responded. Now, like four or five months later, actually Christian, Christian Dolius of Cutthroat Culinary sent me a bunch of shirts. So we're adding them to the rotation here, yes. And look, it's, it's very cool. He's kind of a chef that runs a fashion company. So it's culinary theme, but it's rock and roll. And that's the plug because if you send me free stuff, I will give you one plug. That's it, Christian. If you want me to wear your shirts every week, get in touch with Scott about sponsoring the show. But what I do like about, um, about Cutthroat's um, stuff is a lot of times when I find really cool designer products, I can't wear them because I eat for a living and I am very large. But these were made by a chef, so he's used to people being large. And you can actually get things and you can fit into them. So check check out Cutthroat Culinary. They're good guys. And even my fat ass can fit into their shirts. Um, one more thing that I would normally talk to Scott about, and I want to get it out of the way. Um, it's pretty important to me, and especially to my fat ass, is I may be a little thinner the next couple times you see me. I'm going on sort of a starvation diet starting on Monday, and it is for a cause, and I wanted to mention it. Um, you know, we're in political season. I'm not going to get political with you guys right here, but everybody's talking about entitlements and how we can cut the budget, and unfortunately, a lot of our less fortunate friends and neighbors are being left out. And um, people talking about taking their money away. If you're watching this show, you probably eat well. You've probably never been on food stamps. And if you have, you're probably not doing that right now. And maybe you don't know what it's like to try to survive on $4.05 a day. I'll be doing it next week, Monday through Friday. It's part of a um, program called the Snap, S-N-A-P, experience, being sponsored by my good friends at Three Square. It is daring people. Fat people like me or just people that have good food who eat well all the time to try to live on $4.05 a day for five straight days and try to do it nutritiously, which is one hell of a challenge, and um, I'm not looking forward to it. You can't take free food, which is really the bad thing about it, because I could live on $0 a day and just eat at my friends' restaurants, but um, go to threesquare.org and check it out. Um, if you have any opinion whatsoever on food stamps and on what it's like to live off those programs, I dare all of you to try it.'ll um, I'll be writing about it in Las Vegas City life. and it's it's a hell of a challenge. and I don't look forward to it. It'll also mean that next week you will not see me with any of this fine bottled water, which you can't afford on four dollars and five cents a day. I will not be drinking any of the wonderful alcohol that my friends bring me because you don't get that if you're living on food stamps. So, We're also going to have to see whether I can handle a show sober next week. So, (laughs) well, thanks, Three Square. You gave me a whole other challenge. Anyway, don't want to bring anybody down. We still want to talk about the finer things in life. Um, And we are going to be talking about the finer things in life. Port wine. We will be talking to my friends Jeff and Rhonda Wyatt from Marche Bacchus. Marche Baku, Marche Bacchus, Say it. We'll get them to tell you how to say it correctly right after this And welcome back to Top of the Food Chain. I again am your host, Al Mancini. And we are here today with the proprietors of Marche something.
1: What is it? Bacchus? Bacchus?
0: Bacchus? Bacchu. Call us SLBs. God lady. bless As long you. you find us, we don't care. Gesundheit. <laughs> we don't know. Um, one of my favorite restaurants. And of course, Jeff's been a guest here before. We love to have you guys on because you're not only an incredible restaurant, but also probably one of the cooler wine distributors here in town, or wine retailers, I should say, excuse me, mm-hmm. here in Las Vegas. And you're, you're just hardcore winos, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, we so are.
2: We appreciate <laughs> that. And foodies, <laughs> and foodies. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. So um, how do you pronounce it? A uh, Bacchus, we we follow the, the French enunciation of the term. So, uh, but like I said, you can call us anything. you Even want Even though <laughs> Bacchus was the
0: god of the wine. Roman god of wine, yeah, yeah, right? Through the Greek, act, uh, but just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then they all just bastardized yeah, it. And everyone does it.
1: Well, Marché so Bacchus exactly. was started by a French couple, so they always pronounced it Marché Bacchus. So we kind of kept the French tradition. Right. Um, but, of course, Bacchus is still correct. We're Either from way. New
2: Orleans. There's a street named Burgundy, which is actually pronounced Burgundy, so it's, it's, a, it's a disaster. <laughs> well, you know, I work near Houston Street, so oh, yeah. <laughs> Houston street in New York. So, seriously, people,
0: pronoun- I'm not John Curtis. You can pronounce things any way you want around me. Nobody's gonna get, Nobody's going to complain. We're here to talk about port wine. You know, I always say I don't like to do shows about wine because, A, it's one of those things that no matter how much you know, there's always somebody that knows ten times more. And knowing how little I know, everyone out there knows a hundred <laughs> times more. But it, the other thing about wine is, I could probably do a show on wine five days a week for a year and really just scratch sure. the surface sure. of what there is to know about wine. So um, I, I try to keep it, you know, more simple. We do a show on Scotch, or we'll do it, you know, but. Today I want to talk about port wines because next Friday is Mm -hmm. National Port Wine Day. Absolutely. And I want to know how to get drunk next Friday. (laughs) Actually, it's during my week of not (laughs) drinking. So, uh, but I want those people to know how to get drunk Mm. next Friday.
1: We can help you with that.
0: (laughs) Four dollars and five cents. Yeah, Yeah, four dollars and five cents. It doesn't go (laughs) far, doesn't it? Well, in some ways, it could because I'll tell you. Getting to my background on port wine, I was first introduced to port wine. When I was working at CBGB um, on the Bowery, New York City, big punk rock club, but when we opened the pizza place bar during the day, mm-hmm. w- it was pretty much heroin addicts and winos okay. that came in. Mm-hmm. And they loved port wine because we had cheap ass port wine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what we were charging for it at the time, but probably you get a glass of it for as much as you get a beer. Mm-hmm. And it was strong mm-hmm. and they could get pretty lit up, you sure. know? and. That was my first thing. So I thought port was like wine or wine. Right. You was, know? It, was it white port or was it red port? I don't remember. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, 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 right? Yeah, it was it strong. Of, it was strong, and people <laughs> liked it. And then mm-hmm. um, years later, actually, I think it was from my wife's graduation, um, we went to a place called the Chart House. It's a mm-hmm. big chain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're at a Chart House um, on the Hudson River in New Jersey, overlooking mm-hmm. the Manhattan skyline, and we ordered like death by chocolate or triple chocolate cake mm-hmm. as dessert. And the waiter said to us, and we were really kind of foodie newbies at the time, um, and the waiter said, oh, do you drink port? I said, no, we don't drink port, but they're paying, you know, in-laws are here, you know. And he said, look, if you're going to have chocolate, there's nothing better than a good port. And I started drinking port then with chocolate, which, seriously, people, if you think you, can impro- you can't improve, you improve on the orgasm, I'm saying chocolate <laughs> and port. It's, um, it's pretty up Decadent. there. It's up mm-hmm. there. And um, so I started really trying to research port. And it's one of those things that no matter how much I learn about it, I feel like there's 20,000 other things I haven't learned. Absolutely. It's very that's confusing, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. that's part of the problem with port, too. Can we start with um, the definition of port? I'm going to ask you to correct mm-hmm. me, and then I'm going to throw oh, the please, rest of it please. to you. As I understand it, port is a wine. It starts off its life as a wine. Mm-hmm. And as it's doing its wine thing, normally in wine, Sugar turns into alcohol. Correct. So the sweeter the wine, the lower the alcohol yeah. content. If you'd like a nice white Zinfandel, then you're not going to get a good buzz. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you like a nice dry wine, you're mm-hmm. going to get a serious buzz. Well, port's different, because halfway through the fermenting <laughs> process, they take something very close to brandy, mm-hmm. which is a spirit made from grapes. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard liquor made from grapes. And they throw it into it, and it stops the fermentation. So it stays sweet. But then you've got the hard liquor added
2: to it, so you still get a really so nice buzz. <laughs> exactly. Is that pretty much it? That's pretty much it, actually. You know, the, the funny thing is that port is actually produced in Portugal. Uh, there's American ports, but obviously they're not the same. Sort of like American champagnes. Or well, champagne. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that <laughs> momentarily. But it's interesting enough that even though they're produced in Portugal, it actually, uh, we have the French to thank for that. Because there was a, a treaty in 1703 uh, during wartime that actually uh, prohibited the French from shipping uh, their wines to Britain, to, to uh, Holland, and to Germany. Uh, so they had to look for new sources of wine, and they looked to Portugal. Uh, the, problem the, British uh, and the, the British. The British, exactly. And the Germans oh, and the right. Dutch, exactly. And uh, But the problem is that the distances to be traveled are quite significant, so when they were shipping these, uh, these large barrels of wine, they oxidized. So to stop the oxidation process, they actually introduced these brand new spirits, uh, which created port wine, which the British really liked uh, and really uh, started to to, uh, to order in, in large quantities. Could you
0: explain, I'm going to take you on a tangent, and I sure. hate when people do this and I'm doing it to you. Um, all my wine friends love to smell something and look at it and go, oh, I think it may have oxidized. That's like <laughs> the big complaint. People, if you're looking for an excuse to send wine back, like you just, that's the biggest BS line, but but the psalm can't yell at you, and that's usually what people will lie if they decide, oh, it's a three hundred dollar bottle of wine, I don't like it. You can't say you don't yeah. like it. So if you want to be full of crap, you can say
2: I think it may have oxidized. That's that's the that's pretty much the right line that a lot of people use. What's yeah. it mean? <laughs> um, what it means is that uh, ex- an excessive amount of uh, air has actually uh, Im- uh, infiltrated the bottle, usually due to the fact that like the cork uh, is a little dry. Uh, and once the air infiltrates the wine, it creates—it reduces, uh, oxidization is uh, actually a, a process that reduces the amount of fruit that's in the wine. So what you're getting is basically a, a wine that's dull, uh, lifeless, doesn't contain fruit, uh, has these uh, off-putting notes actually. But it's not corked. It's not like the wet cardboard that you smell right. uh, in, in a bottle that's cont- uh, contaminated with TCA. It's basically something that has just really doesn't have a lot of fruit in it uh the mouthfeel isn't you don't feel the glycerin it feels dry to you as well uh, and it's it's very off putting okay so but you're right so a
0: lot of people use it yeah so there there's know, know what it is it's the big bs argument for returning exactly. wine exactly. when you don't know what you don't I'm like about used it a couple of times myself <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um, okay so they were worried about the of course now we're not talking about bottles of wine we're talking about barrels of wine coming a very long trip from portugal yep. back to the uk yep. i'm sure in the olden days that took a long time yep. there was no you know, airliner or anything. So, so to keep it from oxidizing,
2: you throw in this something similar to brandy. Exactly. Right? And that brandy basically is uh, is for, it, it's a it's a fortified product, basically, it's spirits. Uh, so, what it does, it stops that uh, the the fermentation process, uh, and then also stabilizes the wine, which may which uh, is less impenetrable to oxygen at that point. And uh, so I'm often less <laughs> <my oxygen> after, <laughs> after a lot of wine exactly, or brandy. Yes. Yes. Like me too. To me too. <laughs> me too. Actually. Yeah. That's yeah. gonna be my kickoff for next week's <laughs> show true. So. <laughs> yes. But um, so so uh, so but that's also the, the part of the process that makes these wines very good, oxidization. And uh, to compare and contrast, uh, vintage ports only spend between two years and a little less than three years in act in, in wood, where that oxygen is actually penetrating that wood. That's yeah, we're, we're gonna actually break down, hopefully. Actually, it's a good time to move on,
0: but before I move sure, on to the, the different types of ports and how that works, um, what's interesting about port to me, as a non-wine connoisseur, or only a full oil, or whatever you call <laughs> it, um, as um, as somebody who doesn't know a lot, it, it surprises me that ports can be made out of either red or white grapes. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. they will end up either being red or white port. So, mm-hmm. Port is more about the process than the
2: grape. Most wine is about the grape, correct? Correct, and this is more about the process. You're absolutely right. Uh, and the interesting thing is that sometimes, uh, when we talk about these wines later, it'll make a little more sense. Sometimes you'll also see that they'll try to make uh, a tawny port without having to go through the aging process by blending white port and red port. Uh, but the basic difference is white port is a blend of six, up to six different varietals uh, that are produ- produced in that Douro region of, uh, of uh, Portugal. Which is on the northeast side, northwest side, excuse me, Uh, and uh, and also uh, ruby ports at the same time, very short aging process, uh, but uh, but at the same time, uh, lend themselves to this blending process that makes this bastardization of a of a a tawny port, if you will. So for it to be called port, like so many things in Europe, if you're going to abide
0: by European rules. Mm -hmm which Americans don't care about, but if you're gonna abide <laughs> by them, it has to come from the Douro region, mm-hmm. the Douro River Valley exactly. of Portugal. And you can go look that up online. It's a river that runs kind of across Portugal, it basically did, right? absolutely. And, um, but there's no definition of what kind of grape you have to use. You can use, I, I've
2: heard there are up to 100 types of grapes. Well, actually, uh, there are five. They're, they're <laughs> typically well, used. That's, that, well, that's very far from 100. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So prim- I'm very wrong on that <laughs> no, one. No, <laughs> the two primary ones are, are two grapes called uh, Torgo Nacional uh, and Torgo Uh and the Fonquesa actually is probably the predominantly used grape uh, in, uh, in in the in the Douro region for for Port, uh, and then in, in the white Port style, uh, there's six varietals, uh, which is typically known as Verdejo in in in, uh, in other regions. Uh, but there are, it comes under a different name, actually. Now, when you're looking at your bottle of
0: port, mm-hmm. do you, does it tell you, do you have to know, do you have to care about what grape is used? Is this something that a connoisseur will worry about, what type of grape is used, That's or? That's
2: a good question, Yeah, real good question. Actually, the, the, um, the, the key to it is the blending process, and in that blending process, the house develops a style, and that house style is consistent, generally, from year to year with the variations due to vintage uh, uh, climate and, and other in, uh, influences but that house style is based upon certain blending of grapes uh, and also a certain blending of, of, of uh, vintages, which we'll probably get into later. Uh, so, uh, so again, it's more, it's more indicative of a house style, what's at, what grapes are actually used in the blend than anything else. Okay. Rhonda, you're so quiet.
1: Oh, I know. It's unusual. <laughs> it was unusual.
2: The bubbly one at the table. Oh, I'll there.
0: get there. I'll get there. Okay. It's when we open the port. Well, no, once we start drinking. Oh, well, let's, let's do it. Let's, um, let's have a little bit. Let's show people what port actually looks like. Absolutely. And um, then we'll get into the types. You the the ones you're going to see on a menu. Absolutely. Because, you know, there's nothing like saying, I'm like a tawny 20-year-old. Um, it just
1: sounds
2: dirty. <laughs> it sounds dirty, doesn't it? Huh? I
1: think, food pairings. You know, I, we talked about chocolate, but there are so many other things that port goes with, um, like Hard cheese, um, nuts, um, fruits. 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 You know, it doesn't have to just be chocolate. You wouldn't, we have a lot of customers that that order port with their cheese course.
0: Right. Yeah, port's very good with cheese. You know, I remember port wine cheese when I was a kid oh, in the right. suburbs. Oh, right. <laughs> I, mean, I that forgot was like about that. The,
2: did they make that? I'm quite the Gosh. cheese aficionado, and I don't remember the last I time I that saw port wine, wine Believe cheese. Believe it or not, they do still make a port salute, which actually is a very fine cheese that actually is, uh, is aged and rubbed with uh, with port wine. So it picks up a little bit of that nuttiness, a little bit of that, uh, that uh, raisinate that you get over time when port ages. Uh, sort of what this one's like. Would you... um So... Dessert or cheese, that's
0: when you I mean I'm gonna let you speak to the food aspect dessert, of it. Dessert, right cheese now.
1: or fruit as well. Okay. Uh, so uh, any of those and even even nuts. So
0: Or sitting on the corner in front of C B G or that. Any of the, <laughs> yeah. any of the above. <laughs> any
1: of the above. I mean port can be enjoyed by itself or with those kinds of foods. But we we typically see it with the chocolate and the cheese is probably the most yeah. common. Right. You know.
2: Yeah, like uh, it's fairly versatile depending upon the type that you get. White ports in, in Britain are served a lot of times as aperitifs. Uh, and then uh, a lot of times you'll see a tawny port sometimes served as an aperitif too, although I think there's a little bit too much alcohol. Uh, right. uh, but some people do. And this is, I mean, this is just a beautiful, I don't know it how beautiful much color. beautiful color that you guys can pick
0: up. Maybe i get my ugly face out of the way of it. <laughs> but I mean, it's like a, it's almost hard. It's got an orange, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm bringing this to my hairstylist and asking if you to do my <laughs> hair port next time. A port there, it's, got it's got a there. very rich, deep, almost orangey mm-hmm. red color to it. Incredibly sweet nose. Mm-hmm. You almost wouldn't sense how much alcohol is in there when you when you smell it. Okay. And then, mm, just yeah, it's amazing.
2: What are you looking for when you look when you look for a port? Um, Would you like some Rhonda?
0: Yeah, <laughs> awesome. oh, yeah there you go. <laughs> well, uh,
2: in Tony ports, um, basically, you're looking for uh, a deep hue, nice color. Uh, you. If it's been open for a while, you'll taste that it. it's like we talked about when we talk about oxidized wines. Since a lot of times they're, they're ordered by the glass in a restaurant, you'll notice that the mouthfeel isn't as as clean as we noticed it. It'll be a little uh, scratchy, and uh, that's because that oxidization uh, starts to impact the uh, the glycerin in the wine and makes it not very palatable. Uh, so, but typically these wines will last. Particular, uh, a particular wine of this of this quality will last about two months once you open it. Uh, so generally, when you're when you're tasting port wine, uh, if it's uh, going to be something like a uh, like a um, a tony port, you're going to be fine because uh, most restaurants will sell through it in less right. than in less than two months. So so what you're looking for is a balance, not too much acid, uh, not too much not too much alcohol, uh, good depth of flavor in terms of the fruit, caramel notes. Uh, you're going to get uh, some raisin notes. Uh, you're going to get a, a little bit uh, of uh, of cinnamon sometimes too. Uh, and that's what you're really looking for in the quality of the of the wine Good. itself. What
0: about the aging? Uh, well, I want to actually, I want to start right now. I want to go through the types of ports. The original, <laughs> but these are the ones I see all the time that I feel, what I try to do on this show all the time is show people the basics. Next you're going to find a lot of different words out there. You, and I'm not going to make anybody out there an expert on any topic. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to teach you a few things that you understand. A, you can impress the crap out of your friends or whoever you're there with by knowing four or five words, and B, it gives you the confidence to go out there and try these things and know what you're talking about. So I'm going to throw up a couple categories, that we'll run them down, and then I'm going to walk you through them. You can tell me whether I'm right or wrong, because I see I see differing things online all the time, and some of what I hear may be wrong, or, but can we throw that up there, Jacob? So the most popular styles that I see, we have the bottle-aged ports that come in either Ruby Vintage or Late Bottle Vintage. Those are the three that I see quite frequently. And then Barrel Aged Ports, and the most popular Barrel Aged that I see is Tawny. Absolutely. I wanna start with Barrel Aged. Sure. That means that it, I love it when the words make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have the wine with the brandy-like substance there, sitting there, and you age it in a barrel. Absolutely. And at this point, we're no longer talking about the way that a wine works. It's so much more the way that a liquor works, that a whiskey works. It's it's absorb. I mean, it's you know, it's stopped fermenting. It is now just aging and absorbing taste and moving like that, oxidizing a little. bit Oxidizing to some exactly,
2: right. which gives you complexity. No, good point. Yeah, uh, these tawny ports basically. It's a broad category, uh, and in essence, by the by pure definition, by the Instituto do de Porto, which is in in essence the, the governing body in in uh, in, in Portugal. Um, Requires that uh, these wines be aged for a minimum of three years. the The problem with only a three-year aging process is that it still mimics way too much a ruby port or uh, or something like a like a like a vintage port, even though it's not vintage. Should it's I have
0: vintage. started with the other ones? Before no, not at all. No, okay. Not at all,
2: please. No, because these are, these tend to be the the, the most tawny is what consumed. you see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when
0: I'm when I'm looking at a restaurant, it's you know, it's tawny, ten year or Absolutely. twenty year or thirty year, and They're that's
2: more approachable. These these wines, these uh, ruby ports, uh, excuse me, the uh, vintage ports have to have to age for fifteen years right. generally before you can drink them, and so, only one percent of all ports are ruby ports. Uh, so, these are so the
0: tawny does all of its aging in the cask the, the, the cask. other ones that we're talking the bottle aged, which we'll, we'll get to i mean the difference is you can either leave it in the cask and let it age for 10 15 20 Absolutely. years or you can leave it in the cask for 18 months and then you can throw it in a bottle and let it do its do its aging in a bottle that's spot right on. that's, yeah. the, that's spot on. we should have done that as the first thing I, I i screwed up with not saying that so there's the difference so, that's spot on. so what you're
2: trying to do with this one is make it mimic this one 15 years from now, right. that's, and you're doing it early on when you're aging, going through the aging okay. process. Because
0: when you take the
2: bottle-aged, which are not the
0: tawnies, those, the rubies, are very young when you put them in the bottle. Absolutely. They come out extremely early from the cask, no. a year and a half, two years, uh, Up to three, yeah. Up generally. to three years, you shove them in a bottle, and they're pretty much done, that's a ruby. The vintage and is when, as I understand it, much like in wine, when you find a really good year. absolutely. When you say, because normally with whiskeys, for example, you don't say 2001 was a good, good year. year. You just, you say, it's been aged 15 years, just don't worry about we it. Right. it right? So that is sort of how the tawnies work. It doesn't matter what year the grapes were born, mm-hmm. it matters how long they age. Exactly. When you're in the, when you get to vintages in the bottle age, that's when they say, wow these grapes were really good this year screw this we're going to treat this more like wine than we're going to treat it like whiskey and you put something aside and you went 1997 you write it on the damn barrel and you go you're just sitting there (laughs) but when something is that good you might want to spend 20 30 years to bring it to fruition absolutely so that would be your vintage which is bottle aged takes a very long
2: time from very select grapes exactly yeah, those uh, those vintage ports basically are, are as you were talking about. They're from declared vintages. Uh, what they mean by declared is that actually um, it's in the best, in the absolute best vintages, uh, which typically for a how for a, for a port house only happens maybe three times a decade. Uh, they have to actually present their wine to the Instituto de Vino de Porto, and they determine whether or not they're allowed to declare the vintage, and then the house is allowed to. Uh, typically, they're 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 aged in oak only. Uh, up, they can age them by law uh, to July 1st of two years from the vintage date, actual harvest, or up to J- June 30th of the, th- of the following year, the third year after the harvest. Uh, and then what they're doing, what you do at that point is let, allow it to bottle age or sit in the bottle and gain those complexities, gain that weight, gain that structure, uh, because of the cork that's actually here would allow oxidization of this wine over time. So if, again, I I like to oversimplify things, and I apologize, but so it's
0: like you you pick up a bunch of grapes, right, and you go, okay, these grapes are good, every five years I get some grapes that are great. You good grapes, four years out of five, we're gonna shove you into a a barrel and we're gonna let you get good in the barrel. We're gonna let the barrel give you some character. You grapes that are great, you're not gonna spend a lot of time in the barrel. You're going to get a little time in the barrel, and then you are going away for a
2: long, long time in the bottle, and you're going to become even more great. 100% correct. Is that, that's, that's a good that, way to say To simplify the whole process, that's exactly what it is. And that really defines the difference between what we call vintage ports and all of the wood-age wood ports. Yeah. Uh, it now really we have, is.
0: Then you have that early vintage, which I think is something like where they they get the good grapes, but they're rushing it. <laughs> they don't want to spend the time. So they're like, you're pretty good. You might be able to be a Super Bowl player if you were to spend another couple time, years yeah. in college, but you need the paycheck, so let's get your let's ass get you out, out of those, those <laughs> right <laughs> now. You know? yeah. We need a so, paycheck,
2: exactly. Yeah, that's a, that, those are the we need a paycheck. That's actually a really good, right? that's a really good term because what happens is um, some of these processes, particularly these types of processes in these, these tawny ports, I mean, you're talking about a wine that's, in some cases, 40 years is the average age of the blended ports in that in that wine. Uh, that means it spent 40 years in oak waiting. So you've got you to get out of those gates and get some money into See, it.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like <laughs> you, you can have the mediocre grapes, yep. and we'll spend 40 years yep. on them. You can have the great grapes, and we'll spend... 30, 20 years on them, or we could take the great grapes and get them out early and they'll be better take than the m- mediocre 40 year You know, So it's the, those are really, that seems to me like the three mm-hmm. general, general distinctions that com- yeah. people want to, again, if you just want to explain it to your friends over some drinks in a bar, that. That's an easy way to explain it. I think it's a very good way to explain it actually. What I find interesting, and I think different than scotch, if I understand it correctly, is that when you're talking about a tawny, mm-hmm. which of course doesn't have a year of vintage, mm-hmm. but it does tell you how old it is. Mm-hmm. And a tawny, will say 20 years, but as I understand it, that's an average of the grapes that were put in it. Now, in scotch, if somebody says a 12-year scotch, even if it's a blended scotch, the youngest scotch in there has to be at least Mm -hmm. 12 years. correct. Um, That's why, for example, a lot of the Johnny, I think Johnny Johnny Walker Blue doesn't have a year amount in it because... It may be mostly 40 year scotch, but they may put some 10 in it just mm-hmm. to balance it out. Absolutely. So they don't put a year. Absolutely. But in scotch, very important, the number is the youngest. Mm-hmm. In Tawny Ports,
2: the number is an average, average yeah. right? And it's just, by, by law, uh, in Tawny Ports, uh, at least if they're going to list an age, it has to be 10, 20, 30, or 40. By law, that's it, that's the universe. Um, and it's, a, it's an average, and it's also an approximate average. It, 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 they allow some variability out, obviously. Right. So if it's yeah, if it averages 39.5 to 38, it's <laughs> no. going to be a forty rather than a thirty. Exactly. You know? No one's going to come in and arrest.
0: So apparently the Portuguese are not quite as uptight as the Scotch. Agreed, hundred percent on that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> quite uptight as the French either.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's a little bit of discussion. But, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so there is this um, dominion of our, you know, it, it ha- excuse me, origin has to be defined in order for you to call it port. In America, we don't care much about that. Can you get a good wine? Is it like champagne? In champagne, if it's made in America and mm-hmm. it says champagne, I know it's crap. Mm-hmm. Because a good American wine producer will call it sparkling wine out of respect to the term. Yep. Is port the same way? Can I get something from Australia, something from the United States that has the word port on it, which is obviously breaking the, you know, the Portuguese law? Does that automatically mean it's crap? Or are there good
2: ports that are not from Portugal. There are some good ports that are not from Portugal, from California, actually. And they, they use the phrase They use port. the term port. They really do use the term port. And I, I think that's only because it's sort of like Paul we'll selling sell the wine before it's time, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, the Hardy Burgundy and stuff like that, That they really bastardized the names and, and, and uh, created a problem for the, for the French relative to those types of wines. But um, because we're talking about a fortified wine, and also, when we think about dessert wines, particularly how we drink most of these ports... Uh, a lot of times the, 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 the more alcohol we can actually produce because of the ripeness, the sweeter this wine can taste, uh, Of course, especially if we stop it early uh, when there's more sugar available. And, uh, and, and that, if that's what we're looking for, certainly California can do a very good job uh, because the ripeness levels, because of the climate in California is, is, is so, in, so uh, opportune uh, for, for grape growing, more so a little more than Portugal you can actually get some really good ripeness, which means some really good uh, port-style wines, actually.
0: What are the um, brands that people should be looking for? I mean, because I see the same brands almost all the time when I'm looking at a even decent port. Ports are not, unless you go to a restaurant that specializes in them, Mm -hmm. you're you're gonna see, in a very good restaurant, you're gonna see six to 12 Mm -hmm. ports, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, Unless you're in a a restaurant known for ports. and I tend to see the same brands all the time, but what are the brands that, that people should be looking sure, for? Sure, absolutely.
2: You know, um, in her- based on heritage that we talked about a little bit earlier uh, in terms of the British involved, um, they like these wines so much that so many of the houses are actually developed along British lines. So, for instance, Taylor Fladgate. It sounds British because that is a British name. Right. Uh, very, very good porthouse. Extremely good. Uh, and uh, Daos, which is what we have. It has Wars actually. That's also uh, a British name, uh, and also a very good house. Daos, very good house as well. Fonseca, which is a typical port, uh, 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 Portuguese a port house is and absolutely. I would say Fonseca is what I'm
0: going to see at least three versions of absolutely. four versions of in almost any restaurant that absolutely. has ports. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, you know, your 10, your 20, maybe your 30, and then they've got a bin number something. Mm-hmm. Right. What's that that's mean a, when it that's says a red, red That's a ruby port. That's absolutely. a ruby. Okay. That's a ruby.
2: And they also have a, a late bottle vintage uh, port, which basically means they, they take a vintage port with a vintage date, which isn't good enough to be vintage port, mm-hmm. uh, and age it just a little bit longer, uh, typically in, uh, four and six years. And then introduce it, so it's gotten so it's gotten gained some complexity. Right. It's not the same as vintage port, but it's it's also gained some better, better complexity. I,
0: am I? I mean, is that the most popular? Is Fonseca the most popular port in the probably the most
2: popular house that uh, in the U.S. Fonseca and uh, Taylor Fladgate, and and I think that's probably due to the fact that they've been, been producing some very very good vintage ports uh, as of late. Uh, in 1994, they had an outstanding vintage. Both of them got hundred point ratings for both of their wines in most of the journals. Uh, so they're recognized as being extremely good vintage port houses. And, uh, and then you have Dow's, which is also recognized, uh, Churchill's, Taylor Fla- uh excuse me, Churchill's, uh, and uh, a, a whole host of others What's well. the, you know, the Holy Grail of ports? What is the, you know, the Louis the whatever yeah. of ports? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people will, will uh, in terms of price, uh, uh, there's a, a producer, uh, Quinta de Novo, uh, and they produce a single vineyard vintage port uh, that carries a very high price point, uh, and it's known as uh, as probably one of the zeniths uh, in in port making. And you what's that going to cost me in a nice restaurant? Uh, two hundred. Well, in retail, a good vent a good vintage of Quinta de Novo in the, in the single vineyard bottling. Two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars so in a restaurant. A bottle, yeah, bottle. Okay, in a, so in a restaurant per glass. Uh, uh, Sixty bucks, probably somewhere. In will they station. serve it
0: by the glass? In would, a
2: restaurant? Yeah, because they do last. Uh, they do last a couple of months. Once, well, that, now that's a that's a that's a, uh, a uh, an actual vintage port. So, the t- the time that it will last also depends on the amount, the vintage dates, the amount of time it's actually spent in the bottle. The older, the more delicate. Um, but uh, those will dissipate fairly quickly.
0: Ports. You'll,
2: you'll find it in maybe a, a, a very high end restaurant, uh, Joie Robichon in Paris, possibly. Uh, but other restaurants probably not. Ports generally
0: are sold by the glass, not by the bottle, right? And your restaurant, do you Correct. guys sell it by the glass or by the bottle? Yeah, mostly by the glass. Well mostly by the
1: glass, glass, But they can always one. buy but they can always buy the right. bottle, you know. It's, it's a little take
0: sweet and a little strong to be drinking right. an entire bottle <laughs> right. of it yeah. right. after A little bit dinner. goes yeah. a long yeah. way. no <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, no one's gonna bull guard it, let's just say that. That's yeah. what you're it's
1: typically right. about a two and a half ounce pour. Is a, is a normal
2: serving? Uh, pretty much what port. we had in our
0: glasses Yeah, right. I bet this, but this is a typical t- uh, serving. Mm-hmm. And the porch that you serve by the
2: glass in your restaurant, what's the price range? Uh, it's fourteen dollars actually, yeah. and we actually serve a twenty or twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally Fonseca, sometimes Taylor Fladgate, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I think it's a very favorable price point. We we introduce it to a lot of folks that way, mm-hmm. and uh, and they, they really enjoy. It. It's a, it's very versatile in terms of desserts. It what really about is. California, is there anything you would recommend? Uh, there's a few producers that actually make good California uh, ports uh, but the, these are the, just mm-hmm. the best yeah. the, these are the best wines mm-hmm. uh, the grapes are, are indigenous to the area the process has been tried and true since the early 1700s uh, even before that but that's actually uh, uh, the origins of, of, of known vinicultural areas it's the third o- oldest vinicultural area in the world only behind Chianti and, uh, and, and Tokai and Hungary yeah, and I think they weren't even certified, I think this is the oldest certified one, and something exactly. like that.
0: Now we're getting into geek terms. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll skip that. Oh my God, we we'll lost skip them. That. We'll skip that. cool. Guys, drinking. this has been a wonderful <laughs> conversation about ports. I need to move on to a couple of emails. Sure. And hopefully, as restaurateurs and wine fans, you'll be able to chat with me, and I think sure. a couple of these will strike close to home with you. Okay. So, Absolutely. I need, first of all, an apology for last week. We're going to kick this off to the folks at Lombardi's. I think watching the um, show Lombardi's Pizza in New York, I think I said it opened in 1915, and I'm pretty certain it actually opened in 1905. So let's get that out of the way. <laughs> um, now, as far as another apology that I owe, and this one comes from a, an email question, when John Curtis was up here, we started chatting, and he started bad-mouthing farming shrimp here in Las Vegas, and I got into the idea that You know, most shrimp farms are horrible, and John gets my goat, and when he said something about the Gulf, I made a snide comment, like, that's what I want, a bunch of oiled-covered shrimp, or something like that, and um, when it was coming out of my mouth, I felt bad about it. One of my viewers called me on it. The truth of the matter is, as much as I hate the way in which BP raped our environment and destroyed a lot of aquaculture down there, um, there is some incredible seafood and and some incredible shrimp coming out of the Gulf right now. I'm like... Good friend Rick Moonen has been down there to encourage those producers and to support what they're doing. I apologize for bad mouthing it. Just you should keep me away from John Curtis. You guys, you consume a lot of shrimp in your restaurant. Yeah, you we're, use Gulf shrimp. Yeah. That's we were right. just
1: in New Orleans and <laughs> ate shrimp and crab meat everywhere, and always delicious. Yeah, we were so, here last so week actually. So it's back in full force. Yeah, uh, New Orleans restaurant scene is amazing right now. So, so
0: my bad on that one. Okay, and thanks a lot for the viewer who uh, who was cool enough to p- make me point that out because th- those are people that I really do want to support down Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And um, great, you know, great, wonderful shrimpers down there doing great jobs Absolutely. and trying to bring the, the region back to where it should be one of the food capitals of America. Absolutely. Bef- before yes, Katrina, yeah. I would always say I used to think you know New York and San Francisco were the top two, and Vegas was fighting with with New Orleans Orleans. to be like the number three Mm -hmm. food city in America. That's not the way I wanted to take the number three (laughs) position, I can assure you. So um, hats off to all of you people down at the Gulf, seriously. And finally, one question, and I think you might be able to shed some light on this, Mm -hmm. and this is coming from Cheryl. It says, hi Al, last week on your show you mentioned that Bread and Butter is open to doing pop-ups. I hadn't heard that term until Anthony Bourdain's recent San Francisco episode, and I didn't know that there were pop-ups in Vegas. How do you find out about them? First of all, to define the term one more time for anybody out there, it's not just a restaurant term. I mean, it's been used, I know record stores that have done it, I know, it It, it was even on that really bad show, Two Broke Girls, recently. <laughs> um, but it's basically about a store or a business that just pops up for 24 hours or however long in a location that it doesn't normally happen. And in the restaurant industry, a pop-up is when a chef will go someplace out of his own element. It could be another restaurant, it could be a food truck, It's usually a very well-known, very famous chef, and he goes out and does something really cool for one night only. There's a great one coming up with my friend Jet Tila at Origin India. Um, You can find that on my website, the details on that, but that's coming up in early February, and hopefully Jet is going to be in here to talk about that. So... You are also having a big pop up, right? Well, So we, we, we had one with Jatila. We had one with Jatila,
1: and that was um, an, a learning experience. And that's when I, I figured out a lot of people didn't know what the word pop up meant here. But in Los Angeles, for example, it's everywhere. Pop ups are going on everywhere right. in the LA scene. So um, it but really. Didn't I
0: see that you have something And we have. With
1: Mr. We do, and yeah. Well, he's part of our team, right. so he's—it's not really a pop-up. He's—he's okay. he's regular. He, we have a wine dinner coming up on February first. He's not in the kitchen. With every Chateau Montelena, <laughs> he's, he's in the kitchen player? quite often. Is Absolutely, okay. he's well, in the kitchen quite one, often.
0: Luciano Pellegrini. But, uh, oh, okay. oh okay. Pellegrini. that's the one you were telling me about. I'm sorry, I got your. Email Ooh, yeah, we have a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. we had a lot of five hundred dollars champagne. Right,
1: but Luciano Pellegrini, we don't have the firm date, but it'll be—we're thinking March, end of March. Um, so that'll be fun because we're really a French bistro. He's Italian. Um, he'll come over to our kitchen and we'll be uh, doing some Italian food it just like we did a lot too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just like
1: we did with Asian with Jet TLS. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Luciano, an amazing chef. If anybody follows me on um, Facebook or whatever, he made me brains three ways we the heard other day. It was great. But to to, so it's a lot of fun. To answer Cheryl's question... Rather than just plug <laughs> events, but I mean, that's what it is. Cheryl, honestly, this is how you find out about pop ups. Um, it's shows like this, webcasts. Um, you're not going to really find them a little more in the mainstream press sometimes, from time to time in the media. But what we really, what pop ups are really about is the foodie equivalent of a flash mob, you know, where mm-hmm. it gets out there through social media. Um, If you want to know about the ones that I know about here in Las Vegas, not to plug it, but please check my website, almancini.net. If you want to find out, Marche Bacchus, which um, has quite a few Mm pop-ups, then you would, of course, just register to be on your mailing list. And
1: And also follow, I would say, follow the Facebook pages of Mm -hmm. any chefs that you really like, because, for instance, Shatila has a huge Facebook following, and he communicated it that way. I think Luciano Pellegrini will do the Mm -hmm. same. So if you like certain chefs and you want to see what they're doing, I would make sure you're up on their page. Yeah,
0: you want to be following the right people on Twitter. You want to be looking at everybody's Mm -hmm. Facebook page. You want to be... If you're here in Las Vegas, you want to be reading what Max Jacobson, Brock Radke, Jim Bagley, myself, John Curtis, Mm -hmm. um, Nikki New, Grace Baskos. I mean, these are the local foodies. And sadly, I would love to say Heidi Rinella, but she wouldn't know what a (laughs) pop up was if it popped up and hit her in the face. Um, But if you follow the rest of us here in Las Vegas, follow your favorite chefs, your favorite food magazines, make sure you're looking at their Twitter feeds. it's just one of those things where you, or it's like a rave. You right. have to be a you know? It's yeah. an and underground club scene, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it is an underground scene. Uh, sometimes people give as much as a month's notice, sometimes a week's notice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another friend of mine who does pop ups here in Las Vegas is our good friend of the show, Chef Vic Vegas. Mm-hmm. I would be following him on Twitter if you're here in town. Mm-hmm. I would be following Rumor, where he used to work, because they he likes to go there and do stuff. Follow your favorite restaurants, follow your favorite chefs. They don't want everyone coming to these things. They want the people who know the restaurant, who know the winery, who know the chefs. That's what they're really looking for. So that's the best pop-up advice I can give you. (laughs) In the meantime, there will be a lot popping up at my brunch on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) We're popping out. Oh, that's the, <laughs> yeah. With the beautiful ladies of um, Joanna Angel, all of the ladies, I, I'm not going to go into detail about it. One more time, our, my porn star brunch with Burning Angel at First Food and Bar. There's still some tickets available. Call First Food and Bar. You get to hang out with porn stars. Tons of good food, tons of booze, reasonable price. You guys are coming, right?
1: We are going to be there. We can't wait. (laughs) Yes. It's going to be fun. I am
0: definitely going to be there. (laughs) I'm (laughs) hoping next week we'll be talking Thai food, but I'm not 100% certain. Um, In the meantime, just follow everything that's going on, almancini.net, at almancinivegas on Twitter. You're at top of the food chain. This is the Vegas Video Network, your home of every damn cool thing in Las Vegas. (laughs) I'll see you next week.